Hello and welcome back to Season 6 of the Referendum Podcast, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com with your host Big John and lead analyst Jesse J. Hello and welcome back to the referendum. This is your host, Big John, brought to you by FinFlamSports.com, and we are back with lead analyst Jesse J. Jesse, how you doing? Good. How about you? Pretty good. An interesting, really good competitive week. Thirteen of the NFL. What are your first thoughts before we break into everything? So overall, I think what we're seeing is we're seeing kind of a separation of teams that we think can win the Super Bowl and can't, and it kind of starts with who's actually got healthy quarterbacks because we're starting to see some quarterbacks go down now. You're exactly right. Um, let's break, go into the scores right now of week 13. So on Thursday night football, we had the Seahawks versus the Cowboys and the Cowboys won 41, 35. The Colts defeated the Titans 31, 28. The Falcons barely escaped the Jets 13 to eight. The Lions defeated the Saints 33, 28. The Texans Overcame the Broncos 22-17. The Chargers defeated the Patriots 6-0. Very impressive. The Cardinals took down the Steelers 24-10. The Dolphins blew out the Commanders 45-15. The Buccaneers were able to hold off the Carolina Panthers 21-18. The 49ers obliterated the Philadelphia Eagles 42-19. The Los Angeles Rams have won three straight defeating the Cleveland Browns 36-19. The Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Green Bay Packers 27-19. And last last night's Monday Night Football game, the Bengals defeated the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-31. Jess, what you got for the news? So for the to start the news, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. He's dealing with an ankle sprain. Um, Joe Burrow, he an update on him. He has had surgery on his wrist. He's out for the season. Kenny Pickett is dealing with an ankle injury. Aaron Rodgers has returned to practice from his Achilles injury, but is not expected to play this season unless the Jets were to be in the playoff hunt. Kirk Cousins has had surgeries on his, surgery on his Achilles, which has taken him out for the year. Deshaun Watson had a, has a shoulder injury. He's out for the year. Anthony Richardson out for the year with a shoulder injury as well. Daniel Jones has a knee injury that has put him out for the season. These quarterbacks got injured playing on turf. That is a note that, that's something to take note of as players try to fight for grass fields any thoughts about that well 50 i believe it's 15 of the stadiums um 15 of the 31 stadiums if i'm not mistaken have turf um and well it's definitely we've we've definitely seen most of these injuries come especially in the new york the new york field seems to just be not good at all multiple players have gotten injured on that and everything else and you would think it would be because it's in the big apple would be the most pristine stadium in the league it just it just isn't so um I don't know what the uh, hybrid grass is or what's the difference between that, the turf and the grass. Um, it's almost like a combination of two where they make it feel synthetic, but you don't get hurt. Or if it's a lot rougher, only a few teams have it. It's um, going to be pretty telling what the, the conditions are, of how they're going to be set, at least by the NFL going forward in the few in the next coming years. Um, what else we got, Jess? Nick Piazza, who was the chain crew me- uh, worker that suffered a gruesome leg injury during the, the Saints game, suffered a fractured fibula and a dislocated knee, but his blood vessels are intact for the team. 
The Eagles are signing former Colts star linebacker Shaquille Leonard. The Jets want to go back to Zach Wilson, but he's reluctant to step back into that role. After the after having two of their punts blocked Sunday, the Titans are firing special teams coordinator Craig Uckerman. Uckerman. Quarterback Dak Prescott has jumped Jalen Hurts as the new favorite to win most viable player. Uh, per a few sports books, updated odds. Dak Prescott plus 300, Jalen Hurts plus 350, Brock Purdy plus 350, Patrick Mahomes plus 600. Two attack Veloa plus 800. Lamar Jackson plus 800, CJ Stroud plus 2,500, Tyreek Hill plus 2,500, Christian McCaffrey plus 3,000. What do you think about those numbers? So I've seen at a few different places that Brock Purdy's actually the favorite, but I, I think in the end it's going to be Dak because I don't, I think Purdy is in the great, he's in a great situation which makes him the most effective and that he will have good games. But I ultimately think his limitations are going to lead to a really bad game. And that if you look at the schedule Dallas has, I think Dak is going to end up having a chance to win this thing. I don't think Purdy's going to be able to do it because I don't think his numbers are going to consistently be great. And I think he's due for a rough game like we've seen in the earlier this season. We know that Jerry Jones comes out and he's um, been boisterous about his support for Dak Prescott. But if Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy failed to get them past the first round of the playoffs. Are they both gone? Are, is their time limited at least? It has well, to be, doesn't I, it? No matter if Dak Prescott gets the MVP? Well, with Dak, I think Dak will be extended and they will they will keep him. I think, if anything, they will get rid of Mike McCarthy. The one thing I will say, though, and it's the Cowboys haven't beaten a ton of great teams. Their best one is probably the Seattle win. Uh, and Seattle's just kind of a middling team right now. But I think what we've seen is that their offense looks more in sync right now than maybe it did a little bit last year and at times last year with Kellen Moore. Mm-hmm. Then when the Cowboys do what they do, it, they, it, it's usually done well, and that's kind of always been Mike McCarthy's thing. When his plays work, everything's good. His issue tends to be adjustments. So we'll see maybe if they get in a difficult situation, if he's able to adjust better than he has in the past. But as of right now, I think the work he's done with Dak has been better than what you've seen out of Kellen Moore last year or even with Kellen Moore with the Chargers. Touching on one more thing from the news, um, what do you think about the Jets wanting to go back to Zach Wilson and his reluctance to step back in that role? So with Zach Wilson, you kind of understand why he doesn't want to go back in there because he's been so bad that I, it's a lot of media pressure in New York. And maybe that says something about him, but I, I, you, can see, you can see a little bit why he doesn't necessarily want to go back in there because he doesn't really, at this point, I don't think he has the trust of anybody on that team. And I just think it would make a bad situation even worse. With, with Boyle, though, he's not, He's one of the few quarterbacks that actually is probably worse than Zach Wilson. Just if you look at his college resume, you look at his pro resume, he's not good at all. He stinks. He he probably shouldn't even be in the NFL. He seemingly, he's seemingly in the NFL because he's friends with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, right. But when it comes to when it comes to them wanting to go to uh, Zach Wilson, they don't have anyone better. I mean, the only other person is Trevor Simeon, but he's kind of just a little bit better version of of uh, Boyle. He's just a pocket passer. He's not going to really move a ton. At least with Zach Wilson, he can at least run the ball a little bit, and you get a little bit of you get a little bit of dynamic play outside the pocket. But overall, the Jets, their biggest issue is that they didn't add a quarterback when it was evident. If they just added, uh, if they just added a competent backup, there probably would have been a playoff team. Absolutely. And look who we mentioned that that they lost to. They lost to the Falcons. If they would have had Taylor Heineke as their, as as their backup quarterback. They they would have won another three or four games at least. This game, the, the Jets Falcons game, was the ultimate example of teams not wanting to move off a quarterback because they invested a pick 
or their coach maybe trying to prove right. I think with the Jets, it's more the organization, which is why they were hesitant to add another quarterback to go was to go compete with Zach Wilson or even play above him, uh, at least in terms of being a backup. And with the Falcons, it's just malpractice what they're doing with Desmond Ritter. He's lost confidence. He's not playing well. Heineke, I don't think he's the greatest quarterback in the world, but he is, at this point, a way better quarterback than Desmond Ritter. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes to well, – we'll, we'll break that down um, later on in the show. Um, but you're exactly right. The next thing we have is let's break down uh, or at least review the Monday Night Football game last night between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Jacksonville Jaguars where the Jaguars fell to the to the Bengals 34-31 in overtime. Um, Jay, Jake Browning had a, had a monster game, 32 for 37, 354 yards, one touchdown. Impressive numbers for a backup quarterback. No, he was he was terrific in this game. You could see – the Bengals have talent, like, and you can see it in this game. You can see that you have Ch- you have Jamar Chase. Uh, Joe Mixon did a decent job catching the ball out of the backfield. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins. You can see the offensive talent that the Bengals have built. And this was a good example of how if you can just get competent quarterback play, you can put up points when you have a bunch of weapons like the Bengals do. The problem is when the Bengals play better teams and maybe higher profile teams, they're going to have issues because I think Jake Browning has limitations. They can't necessarily be covered up against better defenses. Well, before we shit on the, on on the Jaguars, we'd mentioned in the the first line of the news, Trevor Lawrence got hurt. That, that could have cost the Jaguars the win. They did go to overtime. Yeah. my, My larger issue here is kind of with the Jaguars defense that the Bengals have good players, but we saw the Steelers able to kind of take Jake Browning or at least keep him from getting in any type of rhythm. He came in against the Ravens, and that's a tough situation, but the Ravens didn't really let him do anything either. So th- this was the first game you really saw Jake Browning look like a good or at least a good backup quarterback, and he had a good game. But I think that's a poor reflection of the Jaguars' preparation coming into this game than maybe it necessarily is Jake Browning as a quarterback. When the I- and, and C.J. Bet- um, bettered, the um the Hawkeyes former quarterback he did his role and he did he did he did a good enough job to actually keep them in the game after after Trevor Lawrence got hurt yeah th- this was just a game this is a game if you're Jacksonville you're going to kick yourself over because you lost to a backup quarterback yes they have talent and they have good offensive weapons but this is a game you should have won especially if you win this game Jacksonville would put themselves in prime position for the one seed when Jamar Chase had a monster game 11 receptions for 149 yards and one touchdown he's always open that's what I've heard. Well, yeah, and, and that's – this is exactly what you wanted if you're the Bengals. You got the ball to your best player, and then Joe Mixon, it's not like he had a great game. He had 19 carries, 68 yards, and two touchdowns, and then six catches, 49 yards out of the backfield. Just being a reliable target for a backward quarterback, that's what you want out of your running back. And and then the other guys fit, got in where they fit in, but this was, this was a case of we're going to go to our star player, and if in the case of – the Bengals were going to make the Jaguars try to stop Jamar Chase. They could not, and they lost the game. Well, it should be interesting to see what happens, um, if how long Trevor Lawrence is going to be out, um, if the Bengals' uh, backup quarterback can sustain this type of powered offense and put up these type of numbers going down the rest of the season. Uh, that should be interesting to see where they actually land up and if they actually make the playoffs. They are in the hunt right now. And this also doesn't help. The Jaguars that if Trevor Lawrence is out for a few weeks, I would we haven't I haven't seen their schedule yet, but this could give this gives, this gives more incentive for the Colts and the Texans to try to win all these games going forward. So the the Jaguars last five games at Cleveland, they're they're playing the Browns, they're going to play the Ravens at home, they play the Buccaneers on the road, Panthers at home, Titans on the road. 
it, it's a it's a pretty they've got two games that are really difficult and those could be the difference between the Colts or the Texans winning the division over them. Mm-hmm. Well, hell, the Titans played good yesterday or um, on Sunday, so it, that's a well, divisional yeah. game. Yeah, it's a divisional game, and Mike Vrabel has given them trouble in the past. Mm-hmm. Should be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks, at least with this team. Well, both teams, actually. What was your uh, game of the week? So my game of the week was the Lions versus Saints. Lions got to a big lead. Saints are able to kind of close the gap but not able to finish. I thought what we saw from this game, and I'll get into it a little bit later as we get into some of our overall thoughts on the week, but the, the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Lions defense, it, it's going to be the thing that gets them beat if they lose in the playoffs. The defense started off strong this year. Over the course of the season, it has gotten worse. Opposed to last season, where they were they started off horribly, it kind of got better towards the end. It's doing the opposite this year. I'm really worried about whether defense is actually going to, if they're actually going to, if, if they've hit their floor yet. If not, they're in huge trouble. Because I'm hoping that with Dan Campbell as coach, they can shoot that defense back up and, ha- and head, have a different trajectory going towards the end of the season. Otherwise, you're right. They're in fucking massive trouble. Any more comments on that game? Oh, no. I, th- I, think, that about, I think that about wraps it up. I just think overall, we, we see that the Lions are really good, but their issues have been turnovers with golf and their defense isn't overly trustworthy. And I think those right now are the two... F- those are the two things they got to fix going into the playoffs. That's fair. My game of the week is the Indianapolis Colts uh, going against the Tennessee Titans in a uh, overtime thriller. It's very, very good. Um, Gardner Minshew, who also was one of my clutch players of the week, led the Colts to victory going 26 for 42, 312 yards and two touchdowns. Extremely clutch, threw a great pass, a 56-yard pass down to, uh, I believe it was Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr., um, towards the end of the game. In overtime, just an incredible sequence of events that happened. And the only thing that, that worries me about the Colts is they were in the red zone about three or four of the times, and they could not score. They could not at least convert it to a touchdown. Um, and their coach was willing to go for it on fourth down, which cost them points because this game could have been over a long time ago. And the Titans stayed in there. And the 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 bickering between Will Levis and DeAndre Hopkins was something interesting to see. I give respect points to Will Levis because no matter how old the, the fucking guy you're shouting at or how much he thinks he's entitled, if he's not doing his fucking job, which what is which is what happened during the game when Will Levis was throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and he's not catching the ball, Will Levis got on his ass, and this is a rookie getting on a veteran. I respect that kind of thing because you want to win. If a veteran's not doing his job, check him. Overall, a very good entertaining game. And Gardner Minshew's throw to get him downfield and to score a touchdown, he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL. That is my game of the week. What's next, Jess? So next we're going to go to uh, your clutch player, your uh, three clutch players of this week. So I have New Orleans Saints wide receiver Chris Olave, who once again, he's one of the best clutch performers in the game. Even though they lost the game, he shined. Um, they even asked him, as the Saints weren't converting and they were down 21-0, should they have been um, – should the Saints have been booed? And if so, were the fans right in doing so? He laughed, and he, he didn't really comment, but he just laughed at it. The man had 119 yards with five receptions. He didn't have a touchdown, but his ability to catch massive clutch th- passes in the game, in any game, he is one of my top player, top clutch players of the week. Um, do you have one or no? I'm going to go with Jordan Love is a top 
uh, as one of my top clutch players of the week. He had a big week. Thought overall he made some big throws against the Chiefs and was one of the probably the top reason why they were able to win that game. Okay. He's got I I people are so down on him. I th- think it's unfair. Um this is his first truly full season and I'm a, I'm a few I'm a fan of him. Um I think give him give him some time. He's played well over the past few weeks. He's he's beat the Chiefs. This should, just should give him more confidence heading down the stretch, uh, heading down the the next few years to say, you know what? I beat him. I beat the top. Uh, I beat a top team in the NFL. Even though they're not playing like it right now, I still beat them. Um, so I respect your your number one. My number two. It says clutch player of the week, but it's not even a player. It's a team. The clutch team of the week is the New England Patriots, making sure that the Los Angeles Chargers head coach keeps his fucking job. The Chargers won six to zero. They had no offense whatsoever. At all. None. I don't even know if it's fair to say that the Chargers defense looked great when look who they have. Look who the, the Patriots have a quarterback. But the Patriots are my clutch te- uh, team of the week to ensure that Brandon Staley still keeps his job or still has a job. That's my number two. Who's yours? Well, my number two is Jake Browning, the Bengals back quarterback. I thought he played a really good game. And this was by far the best we've seen of him in his limited sample size. Excellent pick. My number three is Gardner Minshew. As I mentioned earlier, he led the Colts to victory, going 26 for 42 on 312 yards and two touchdowns. That's my last one. My third one was Justin Herbert for not blowing the game. He's my he is my third plus <laughs> quarterback for for winning this game. If he won a close game, he did not blow it at the end. That's fair. I gotta give you I gotta give you your props on that one. Great pick. You had all great picks. Um, what's next, Jess? So next we have our top disappoint our a our top five disappointments of the week. Top disappointments of the week for me as a team, it's the Atlanta Falcons and Arthur Smith. Desmond Ritter went 12 for 27, 12 for 27 against the Jets with 121 yards and one touchdown. Bijan Robinson, 18 carries, 18 carries for 53 yards. Kyle Pitts, who has not been utilized good with this organization at all, who I'm hoping that if Travis Kelsey ends up leaving the Chiefs retiring, we we signed Kyle Pitts as our as our tight end. Four receptions of 51 yards. Arthur Smith is not a good coach. He doesn't know how to use these guys. As you mentioned a second ago, Desmond Ritter should not be the starting quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons. Taylor Heineke should be. It's a travesty that even though they won, to put the fans through this much stress and bullshit is insane. When you have a 10 times better quarterback who's not even who may who may not even be a starting quarterback, according to Jess. And he may be right, but he's 10 times better as a backup quarterback. Then Desmond Ritter is a starting quarterback. It's a shame. Their offense is a sham. Their wins are a sham. I'm done. That's my number one disappointment of the week. Uh, just to get into the, yeah, before the show, we were talking about Desmond Ritter. And just, he's lost his confidence. He doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. you got to sit him down. You gotta, even if you think Heineke isn't as good, which, I mean, I don't know what he's done to prove he's not better than Desmond Ritter, but even if you don't think he's as good of a quarterback, you have to play him because he's a more experienced quarterback who I think is going to give you a higher floor, definitely, than what Desmond Ritter is giving you right now. It's ridiculous. My number one disappointment was the Chiefs receivers. They were bad. Really bad. We've seen it. It's been a consistent theme throughout the year, but their receivers really struggled. And particularly in this game versus the Packers, I feel like when the Chiefs got, once again, they got late in the game, they struggled. And it's not, it's not me trying to just throw them under the bus, but this was once again, late in the game. Mahomes and his receivers are not on the same page. He throws the pass to Sky Moore. Sky Moore doesn't really run the route correctly, and it leads to an interception. Mm. The Chiefs have a problem. I've said this week after week. I've said this 
probably since before the trade deadline or at least after the trade deadline. I don't know. I know that much, but I've also had problems with the Chiefs offense just period because it's been overhyped. Um, at least until that until that point. Brett Veach should be looked at and asked why. I still haven't seen an interview regarding him or anybody questioning him of why he didn't sign a wide receiver like DeAndre Hopkins, who would have cost, or at least his contract was 660000 They could have went out and signed him for, obviously, they could have afforded $2 million just for the rest of the season. That's ridiculous. Bad. My number two, the disappointment of the week, is the offensive line for the Houston Texans. They just can't protect C.J. Stroud. And it's gotten worse and worse week after week. This is something that you and I talked about last week that they're going to have to address, address in the offseason um, heading into next season. I mean, just last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh Allen had, I think, two or three sacks on him alone. This Denver defense had five sacks against C.J. Stroud because their offensive line is that bad. It's a huge problem. And here, for the past two weeks, you have commentators saying he's not a scrambling quarterback. What is he doing? Well, when he can't stay protected in the pocket, he's got to make a play. That's my number two disappointment of the week. My number two disappointment of the week was the Eagles and their performance. They just got destroyed by San Francisco. They they did not look competitive at all. And I know it's just the regular season and things can change in the playoffs. But for a team that uh, they were, they only had one loss and they were talking very confidently. They got absolutely destroyed by San Francisco. And this game was more of a reflection of how the Eagles have played the entire season as opposed to what their record actually is. Their record has been good, but their play the entire season has been uneven. And in this game, it was uneven. Absolutely. My number three disappointment of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Whether you have Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, nothing happens. You got outplayed by a way better quarterback. What's crazy is Mitchell Trubisky is a number one quarterback, a number a number one draft overall quarterback. Is it, am I saying that correctly, Jess? Mitch Trubisky, yes, he was drafted uh, number two in 2017. Number two, I'm sorry. What are you doing? How can you not put together some type of offense for your team? You were taken ahead of Patrick Mahomes. They thought you were better. Horrible, horrible. And did the, did the Steelers not fire their offensive coordinator? Uh, they just fired him. I believe this was their second game without uh, Matt Canada, who they fired. They, yeah, well, so I believe this was their second game with a new offense coordinator. It's not good. It's not even. It's not looking any better right now. And Kyler Murray didn't didn't outplay them. It was just Trubisky just was not good. Kyler Murray went 13 for 23 with 145 yards and one touchdown. Trubisky. 11 for 17, 117 yards or one touchdown. It's not going to work, guys. And their running game for Arizona just killed the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they would have gotten a, a, a 50 more yards and scored a touchdown, they would have been in this game. They weren't. That's my number three. My number three is the Patriots offense. Get them off of my TV. I don't want to see them anymore. I don't <laughs> want to watch the Patriots play offense anymore. It's painful. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. They just, they're running a high school offense. And I, that, there's no worse way to describe an offense than a high school offense. And that's what I see every week when I'm watching the Patriots play. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty bad. They have a problem and apparently they're not going to fix it by firing Bill Belichick. Something you said that they shouldn't, which is interesting. Um, but I mean, you've heard rumors that if he doesn't stay there, he might go to Carolina and he might bring Bill O'Brien with him. That would be interesting to see. At least you get the defense ready, and you can get somebody like Bill O'Brien, who has coached a powerhouse of a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. That would be an interesting type of thing. 
um, for next year, if that actually did happen. I myself believe it's time for Bill Belichick to go. But getting back to my number four disappointment of the week is the Cleveland Browns offense. A horrible signing of Joe Flacco. What in their mind, in their front office's mind, thought that he was a suitable backup quarterback? He shouldn't even be in the league. I Weirdly enough, him and Matthew Stafford had uh, similarly similarly off, uh, offensive numbers. Joe Flacco went 23 for 44, 254 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. Matthew Stafford, 22 for 37, 279 yards and three touchdowns. It's almost eerily the same kind of numbers they put up, but the offense for Los Angeles has been playing extremely well the past three to four weeks. And... They're now six and six after being two and five or two and six, if I'm not mistaken. So they've either won three or four straight games, um, three or four games straight um, since scoring that record. But he was not the answer. There's so many XFL quarterbacks that could play way better than Joe Flacco right now and who have had more experience in the last year than Joe Flacco has had. And you still sign this fucking guy over an XFL guy who just had probably a better season than, than he probably would in the past five years. Not good, Cleveland Browns. Very, very bad. That's my number. That's my number four disappointment. My number four disappointment is the Jets quarterback situation. They're terrible. It, it's bad. You have Zach Wilson who doesn't want to play for you anymore. You have what well, I believe his name is Tim Boyle. He stinks. And then their other quarterback is Trevor Simeon, who he's he also stinks, but he's bad. He's probably better than Boyle. Uh, they they just they're a complete mess. And I, I know people don't like him, but Carson Wentz is a massive upgrade over all three of those guys. I have no idea why he's not playing for them right now. Bad. Well, he's a dick too, so that's probably why they don't like him. My number five disappointment of the week is Jameis Winston. He just isn't clutch. I like him. He seems to be cool, like a cool guy. And you really want him to do good. Honestly, that's how I feel. Um, I've wanted Jameis to do really good since he came in the league. Just hasn't done it. I don't know what the uh, quarterback coaches think of Jameis Winston or the head coach, but he's not the backup quarterback you need. He really isn't. Taysom Hill may be, may should probably should, should probably be the second string quarterback in New Orleans, and he's also a dynamic player. So that I don't know. I'm just pretty disappointed, in Jameis Winston. That's my number five disappointment of the week. My number five disappointment of the week is the Chargers' offense. They won six nothing, but you can't be happy when your offense only puts up six points against a team that looked ready to quit in the Patriots. I know their defense has been okay. The the Patriots are ready to lay down and quit, and the Chargers' offense couldn't take advantage of that. In, the, in, the, in this game, one last thing. In this game, the Chargers had 24 carries for 29 yards. That's That sounds almost impossible. Yeah, that's bad. Um, well, let's go to the next segment, and that's the five surprises of the, of the week. My number one surprise is the Detroit Lions were able to fend off the New Orleans Saints, who came back strong after being down 21-0 in the first quarter, defeating and as the Lions defeated the Saints 31-28. Um, good on the defensive side, I guess you could say, for the Detroit Lions because they were able to hold them off. That's probably because Jameis Winston won in the game. Two, that shows that a team that is – probably not respected enough because of their quarterback in New Orleans, um, was able to actually put together a good game as Derek Carter went 17 for 22, 226 yards, one touchdown, and one pick. Um, he was able to do that, and he, he played well, but he got hurt again. So congratulations to the Lions. Um, you were able to do just enough to ensure a win. I still think that you're the best team in the NFC. In the NFC. Um, but, yeah, that's my number one surprise of the week. Who you got, Jess? My number one surprise was Jordan Love. He he had, I think, one of the 
one of one of if not the one of the one or two best games of his career against the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Keeps the Packers in position for a playoff spot. Jordan Love, my number one surprise of the week. Okay. Who's your number two? My number two surprise of the week is Will Levis. I think we we saw him play very well with the Titans, a team that doesn't really have a ton of offensive weapons, and they went score for score with the Colts right up to the end. That's a good pick. I, I like that pick. Um, do you think he's got a future in the NFL? Like as their as their starting quarterback, or are you think because they have another backup quarterback they drafted this past offseason, right? They, yeah, I think they're going to stick with. They him. drafted two quarterbacks, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yeah, they they have um they they have Malik uh what Malik Willis and uh, Will Levis. I think they're going to stick with Will Levis, give him a chance. Okay, my number two surprise of the week was uh, Baker Mayfield. You were able to keep your team in the game, and you were you were down. Um, I believe it was 10 to seven, if I'm not mistaken. And you're able to put together some offense and you did good. I was surprised that, you know, he was able to, to stay in there and he was getting hit left and right. He got sacked once. Um, I think he threw a pick six, if I'm not, also not mistaken. Uh, he went 14 for 29, not the best numbers, 202 yards, one touchdown and one pick, not the best numbers, but he did a suitable job to uh, keep his game, keep his team in the game. That's my number two surprise. Who's your number three, Jess? My number three, is, my number three surprise was Kyler Murray and the Cardinals since their since his return. Not that Kyler Murray had a great game by any means, but since Kyler Murray's return, the Cardinals have looked re-energized, and they might be a team that could play spoiler down the stretch. Completely agree on that. My number three um, surprise is just the um, outlook of the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know if it's coming from their head coach or what, or the belief in the other guys on all sides of the football, but they're a competitive team. They don't look like they miss Anthony Richardson quite yet. Gardner Minshew has been a serviceable quarterback, and that's I could give him a lot more praise than that because he deserves it. Um, the Colts are I, – I was high on them earlier in the year. I got shit on by you and some other people, but good for the Colts. They don't look like they, they miss Anthony Richardson just yet. Um, but I also think that because Anthony Richardson got hurt game one, he got hurt a couple games after that, Minshew was able to come in from game one to see what to at least take in the quarterback position early on in the season, opposed to a quarterback who comes in late and has no idea what it's like to be a quarterback um, in that offense. Because as we've talked about previously, these backup quarterbacks don't get enough reps. And I think that's been a uh, massive success for the Colts thus far. That's my number three. My next surprise was uh, Jake Browning and Zach Taylor. I think Zach Taylor proved he could win a game with a back and quarterback, which has been a little bit of a thing, is that the Bengals have not looked competitive on offense since Burrow got hurt. And Browning had Browning had his best game of his career. He went out there and was very effective versus the Jaguars. So Zach Taylor and Jake Browning, my my fourth surprise. Okay, well, my fourth surprise, um, it's going to echo what you said about Kyler Murray. Um, he may be, They may be a spoiler, uh, a, a team that goes down and spoils the, the, the winnings of a team or who wants them. Uh, late in the season. My number five is the Dolphins destroying the Washington Commanders um, and Eric Bieniemy's supposed high-powered offense. They choked. Bieniemy had no answer for that defense. And Terry McLaurin, this is the first, the second game that Terry McLaurin had without a catch in his entire professional career in football. That's ridiculous. Sam Howe and Eric Bieniemy need to figure shit out. This is the problem when you can't score and you're overhyped. <sighs> 
Good for I the Dolphins. You, I'm glad. I, think, I hope they fire that entire staff. I think you're being I too critical. Commanders fire this, Rivera, the enemy, everybody. Th- this is what Sam Howell is. He's a fifth round quarterback who, for half the season, has looked good. Second half season, he's regressed because he's not overly talented. He's just he's he's a backup quarterback who is starting and he looked good the first half of the season. Teams have gotten 12 games with film on him and he's he is struggling mightily right now because that he's a young quarterback who's not overly talented. Well, he's hey, he, he got sacked three times in his game. I wonder what his sack count is for the year. It's got to be over 150. I mean, he that's part of his problem though is he's not he's not someone who has great pocket presence and he takes a lot of sacks. It's very hard to game plan uh, around Sam Howell because he takes so many sacks that if he doesn't see, he holds onto the ball and he'll take a sack as opposed to just throwing it away or being able to see where he needs to go with the ball immediately. He doesn't really have that, or at least yet he doesn't have that. And that's one of the biggest problems for Washington is that their quarterback is just limited. He's not overly talented. Well, they failed their team yet again. You have players on the Washington side saying that they won. They're thinking about quitting the team. They're thinking about leaving the team. They don't trust the organization. And this is when you have new ownership. I don't know if they're taking shots at the people who are in place already, like the, the established people who have been there, or the new ownership. If they're taking shots at either one of them. I don't know what they're doing. But you have a lot of players this entire year who have shit on the commanders because all they do is lose and they're not successful. They don't know how to run a football team. That's my uh, number five disappointment of the week is the Washington commander's offense. And you couldn't get Terry McLaurin the ball once. Sad. What's your number five? My number five is uh, the Cowboys. Uh, the, the Cowboys late game execution. This was a game they've lost in the past against Seattle. Uh, they executed really late or they executed well late in the game. Dak leaves them on a couple of scoring drives and they were, they were able to win a high scoring close game. And you said Dak Prescott. Yeah. Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. I felt like this was a really good game from them. They, we, we saw the Cowboys execute late in the game. I, Seahawks are a struggling team, but this was a game that if you're the Cowboys, you you have to win if you want to stay in contention for the the, the NFC East and win the division, get, maybe get the number one seed. And they did exactly that. They they had a game that was close late. They were able to take the lead and able to finish the game off. Well, in all honesty, Geno Smith played his heart out. He played a really, really good game with the exception of one interception. But he played a really, really strong game. And they probably should have won that game, to be honest with you. This is the first team that Dallas has beaten that's over 500 all year, with the exception of the Jets, who I think were 1-0 when um, they beat them. But yeah. I dare you to smirch the Zach Wilson Jets. <laughs> well, who's your uh, – let's go to the next segment. The I told you so's. Who's your number one I told you so of the week? Number one I told you so. Chiefs needed one more receiver. This is something I kind of said since the beginning of the season, is that they needed to trade and get one more weapon for Patrick Mahomes, and they did not do that. They, they just – it was very obvious all year that they were a weapon short and they chose to trust in their young guys and they have not been rewarded for it so far right now. Other other than Rasheed Rice, who's been, who's been really good, but you have Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, Isaiah Pacheco. That's it. Outside of those three guys, everyone's kind of hit or miss unknown or not good. Uh, It's just, it's, if I was Patrick Holmes, I'd be frustrated because you don't have any reliable targets at receiver other than Kelsey and Rice. Justin Watson is a role player. He's, he's fine, but he's a role player. MVS has not had a great season this year. Sky Moore doesn't always look to be on the same page with Mahomes. There's not really another guy on third down he could go to. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are in trouble, and I don't know if they're going to make a pass. If they make the playoffs, I don't know. 
honestly. You don't know what could happen in the NFL. And if the Chiefs make the playoffs, do they make a pass, pass the first round? Honestly, I don't know. I think you're being there. I think in general, the Chiefs, I think, will be okay. But I think we don't really, it's going to be when they play a playoff game, instead of knowing, okay, that first one, we're going to win this game. That I think is up in a up in air at this point. But given the AFC and the lack of stability because of injuries to quarterbacks and just you look at the teams in front of the Chiefs, it's Miami and Baltimore. Those are two teams that I wouldn't necessarily trust. Miami being a team that has struggled to beat teams over 500 and the Ravens being a team that has three losses, mainly due to them just falling apart within the game. So I just I look at the AFC and it's going to be about who's playing well not even going into the playoffs. It's going to be about who plays well in the playoffs. It's going to be starting with the first playoff game they play, who plays the best. And that team will most likely be in the Super Bowl from the AFC. Well, to go with my number one, I told you so. I'm just going to echo what you said. And the Chiefs offense sucks. Plain and simple. They didn't even run the football. They didn't even use Pacheco the way they should have. And you have, they're not, they're not implementing McKinnon like they should. McKinnon's an excellent wide receiver. What are you doing? He didn't play. Andy Reid. Get a groin injury. Doesn't matter. Pacheco, the problem wasn't Pacheco in the running game. It was that they didn't run it enough. But Isaiah Pacheco in this game. That's my point. 18 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. That's the problem. You got to run it more. Late in the game. Exactly. Late in the game, what happened with the offense in the last couple drives? They didn't run the ball. They got away from it. And the offense turned back into a struggling offense with limited receiving play. Late in the game, they have to run the ball. That's just... Maybe in the past they didn't have to, but given what their receiving limitations are, you have to stick with the run the entire game. And that's Andy Reid's probably one flaw as a coach, is that when he needs to stick with the run, he does not. We've seen it literally cost the Chiefs an AFC Championship game because he refused to stick with the run late in the game. Exactly right. My number two, I told you so. I already mentioned it five times in this podcast. Gardner Minshew is the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Who's your number two, Jess? My number two are the Eagles. They've been shaky all year, and I think that's something we've kind of been saying all year. Is that the Eagles, while their record, I think what it was ten and one coming into uh, last it was going into last week, they've been shaky all year. They've had issues with Jalen Hurst being banged up. He's not always played great. Some of it may be due to injury. And their defense, when it's not playing a team with struggling wide receivers, you you have a team in the 49ers that have good weapons. They absolutely pants the Eagles defensively. Bad. And to me, this was the biggest issue I had with the Eagles was that when they're playing a team that can throw the ball offensively and they can they they can get the ball to playmakers consistently, their defense is going to struggle. And what do you know? They played a team that has good offensive weapons, a good offensive coach, and those corners had no chance against the 49ers uh, receiving options. And the worst thing, if you're an Eagles fan, or if you're an Eagles fan watching the game, was how San Francisco dominated the line of scrimmage. If San Francisco does that again in the playoffs, they are going to beat the Eagles and maybe even soundly again, because the Eagles' only chance in that game is that their defensive line sets the tone for them. Yes. My number three, I told you so the week, is Mike Evans is a beast. He's got his 10th season with over 1,000 yards straight. Um, and then in this game, he had this, his second biggest game of the, of the year. He had seven receptions for 162 yards. He was catching almost everything that was thrown his way, with the exception of one underthrown ball, horribly thrown ball by B- Baker Mayfield um, that was intercepted by Xavier Woods. I don't know what the hell he was thinking on this pass, um, but this goes to what I've been saying all year is that Baker Mayfield's arm looks like it's not as strong as it used to be. Um, but Mike Evans did catch a pass for 75 yards um, in this pass in, the, in this game. 
um, for I believe what may have been his longest pass, his longest catch of the season. So congratulations to Mike Evans. I wish we would have got you, but our GM sucks dick. So, yep, congratulations to Mike Evans. You are the man. You are beast. Congratulations on the 10th straight season of 1,000 yards or more. What's your next one, Jess? I think it's three or four. Uh, number three. My number three, I told you, show, so is the Lions defense needs to improve. It's going to be the thing that cost them the playoffs if they don't improve it. And I think we've seen it that in a lot of these big games they've played, their defense has been a problem, really, other than the time they played the Chiefs. But as of now, we've seen the Chiefs' offensive weapons outside of Kelsey and Rice are not particularly good. And you go back, that was week one. Kelsey didn't play. Rasheed Rice didn't play a ton. And they look good, but that was against a team that had struggling weapons. The Lions' defense is going to be the thing that gets them beat. And it's something they just – they have – pieces defensively i think they just need to try to round it in form before the playoffs because that that will be the thing that does get them beat and i think what we've seen over the last month with them being shaky is there there's two things that will get them beat it will be number one the defense number two jared goff and his turnovers okay well i mean you're not wrong in a lot of the shit you said my number four uh i told you so of week 13 it continues to be a problem since week one the referees of the nfl are a fucking problem and it's a problem when the referees become the focus of the game instead of the play of football itself. It did happen in the Saints game. It happened in the Chiefs game. Um, it happened in at the, probably more games than that. And it's not healthy. There's got to be some type of, pun intended, referendum on the NFL referees live during the game. There's got to be a box like the XFL or the, um, the I would think it was the AFL, the ALF or whatever the fuck it is. Um, the a- AAF. The A what is it? AAF. AAF. I'm sorry, yes. Um to have a sky box for, or sky judge for the fucking refereeing. It has been abysmal this year. They keep fucking plays over. They keep fucking people over. There were so many touchdowns in in uh, in the uh, Saints game, at least three times that I saw for the Saints that should have been called. Fucking horse shit. Um well, there's gotta be some type of referendum on, on these guys. I am sick and tired of having to talk about these motherfuckers every fucking week. So well, part of the issue is that the easy solution to this is just to have an overruling sky judge, but that might actually hurt ref's ego. So they're not going to do that. At least as of right now, that and, might hurt the what the season games. They're not going to do that. I think secondarily, we wonder why offense is down. Part of it is just inconsistent calls from the refs where you have big plays get called back and you do that once or twice a game. That could be anywhere from seven to 10 points. Just because the refs decided to throw a flag or not throw a flag on a certain play, like it's it comes down to you you have you have a lot of gray area with a lot of the rules you have, and the easy fix is to just have a ref buzz down and say, "Hey, no, that's pass interference. Hey, no, somebody got tackled. It's a holding penalty. It it shouldn't be that difficult. I guess people maybe in the NFL. I think it, I think it really comes down to the NFL referees, though. I don't think they want the sky ref because I think. If they had like a sky ref who kept buzzing down, I think we'd see that they fuck up a lot more than we even see. Yes. Oh, that's a great point. I, okay, so I didn't hear what you said twice initially. You said that they won't have a sky judge because of what? I, I think it's a, I think it's a lot of ego-oriented reasons they don't have a sky ref. Because I think if they had a sky ref, we would see how much they actually fuck up, and they don't necessarily want that out there uh, in terms of them being overruled and corrected by someone sitting in a booth. But I think if you want to fix a lot of these problems, having someone who's up above and can just buzz down and tell them, no, that's past interference, or no, that was holding, or 
hey, we had somebody get tackled and they weren't able to, you know, they weren't even they weren't able to rush the passer or uh, catch the ball because they were getting tackled. Like I just th- th- these are simple things and simple solutions, but the NFL and I think mainly the NFL refs don't want to take the step to fix them. Yeah, there, there's got to be an overhaul of the entire system. It is not good. Um, and if they refuse to do it, how does not how does this put trust into the officiating in the NFL? Because at least in the XFL, you could see they're talking live and you can hear what the refs are saying in the huddles, in the in the in the booth in New York. There's a fucking problem, and then that's gonna put in my mind, are these games rigged? You have to ask well, that question. And part part of the thing is though, they do do it in the playoffs because those games actually like there there's you have tangible stakes involved. And we I think in the playoffs we see more scrutin scrutinization of the of refing and referees in terms of them having to huddle up figure things out and get the buzz get the buzz from new york but in the regular season <laughs> but do- that doesn't do justice to the teams that may may have been costed may have, um how do i say this but if the refs would have cost a team a win what does that do down the line because if you get the same ref that does the same thing to a to the same team two or three times a year that's three losses right there just in, if if that is a scenario yeah i just it's it's frustrating to watch because there's an easy solution, but the NFL and the NFL refs, I don't think, want to go for it. That they're okay with doing it in the playoffs because there's actual real stakes. But in the regular season, I think it's just kind of like ah, it is what it is. And I think that's I, the the issue is you're now taking deals with these with, with with sports books. You have a lot of money involved. The regular season has become more important than it even was just a couple of years ago. Yes. So it's important you fix this stuff because then if not, you're going to have people questioning your league's integrity. And I know people, yep. I know people, it's like, I oh, complain about referees and stuff like that. That's loser talk. But I think it's more, if you, I, I think a lot of the issues is that stem from this, or if they are taking sportsbook money right now, you have all these sponsorship deals and it's been so obviously bad, especially as we've gotten later in the season, it's gotten real bad that in the playoffs, it looks better, but I think it's mainly because, there's not two games on at the same time. So you, when you have New York buzz down and talk to the refs, they, they have more time to do that because they're watching one singular game. Instead well, of having, that's a problem. Yeah, it, it, which is why they need the Sky Judge instead of having the people in New York look at 10 different games at the same time. Well, see, I want to know and I want to see it broken down like they do in the XFL. Let me hear how you're going to make this judgment, right or wrong. I want to see what's going to happen. On top of that, I think that the that the league needs to adopt the same thing that the XFL has when it has to, when it comes to a flag that can challenge anything in the game. I, I I don't think they'd ever do it because they don't want to show you the real time fuck ups. The reason the XFL and the USFL and some of these other spring leagues were willing to do that was because they're trying to give you access to in in an attempt to get viewers to watch their game and to to see something different, but. In the case of the NFL, you don't want to show how much you actually fuck up and have to talk things out. And, oh, we actually had somebody watching the replay and buzz down real quick saying, hey, that's not actually what happened. Like, right. I, I think they want to see how – I don't think they want people to see how much they actually fuck up. That's I understand that. That's a good point. Did you go over your number four already, Jess, or no? My number four is the Jaguars. They haven't taken the next step. Uh, I, I know Trevor Lawrence played pretty well before he got hurt in this Bengals game. But I think if you look overall – whether it be some of the uneven play of Trevor Lawrence and some of their performances in big games where a win would mean a lot to them. They've really had some issues, and I, I've been a little bit disappointed that they haven't taken the next step. Now, it's not the playoffs, and 
they very well may take that step in the playoffs, but as of right now, I haven't seen enough to make me think that is going to happen. No, that's fair. You, and you've been consistent on that all year. Um, my number five, I told you so, is the Steelers have a problem. I already said it earlier. The Steelers have a problem at offense, on, on at least in quarterback play. If they lose more, if they have a chance to lose out if they don't have a solution to their offense. Mitchell Trubisky is not the answer. They're 7-5 and five right now. If they lose out, this will be the first time Mike Tomlin has a losing season. In 18 years, this is a massive problem for the organization, Mike Tomlin, the players, and the fans. You have got to get this together. But he's been so good at what he does coaching-wise, he's been able to go 7-5. and five. If, well, if, if you, you, get it, if you think about it, Kenny Pickett would have... Could he? Could they have be eight and four right now, or or, or nine and three? That's the that's the amazing part. I mean, is that even possible? Because with him in, they're still winning games. That's what I don't understand. Is a fucking guy who can't even put up numbers is still doing enough just to fucking make sure that your defense does good to destroy the other team. It, if they look- have got to figure it out, and if they don't figure it out, oh man, I'm going to be so disappointed because I really like this team. I just don't like the quarterbacks. If you look at the Steelers, their biggest issue has been quarterback. Now, they did they did want to get rid of Ben Roethlisberger, so they let him play out his last couple of years. But their inability to replace Ben Roethlisberger, it, at least prime Ben Roethlisberger, has been their biggest issue. Because, what, it's been the last four, five, six years. They basically, since Ben started to decline, they didn't move off him because they didn't want to move off their franchise quarterback. Then he retires, and since then, you've had Mitchell Trubisky, you've had Kenny Pickett, it's been just bad quarterback play in general that I think after the season, they just need to admit we made a mistake with Kenny Pickett. We signed Trubisky and it didn't work. We need to just try to draft quarterback or see if someone like Kirk Cousins becomes available. Just, I would just say anybody that has been competent, they just haven't gotten competent quarterback play. Yes. In five, six years. It, it, it feels like forever. That's what they need. They don't need great quarterback play. They just need somebody who can be an adult yeah. and run. Functional NFL. Just to, to be fair, just to be fair, Ben DiNucci from the XFL Seattle Sea Dragons just signed and was uh, um, moved up to the 53-man roster on the Denver Broncos. He would be a suitable enough guy who's a gunslinger to be the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right or wrong? No, because I think he throws a lot of 50-50 balls. That they'd be afraid he would turn the ball over a lot. And what they're trying to do is they know their quarterback play is not good enough. So they're trying to play a ball control offense and limit the turnovers, just shorten the game by running the ball. And I think with Ben DiNucci, the fear would be he turns the ball over too much. And that's going to put your defense in too many bad positions within a game. Fair assessment. Fair assessment. Okay. That's fair. Who's your number five? Oh, it it was actually the Steelers. Uh, It was actually the Steelers. I told everyone at the beginning of the season, their season would come down to quarterback play. Their season was hinged on it, their season hinged on Kenny Pickett taking the next step as a quarterback, and if he didn't, they wouldn't be a real contending team. Now, they might make the playoffs, but Kenny Pickett not taking the next step is why they're not a real contender in the AFC. And is he out for the season? Uh, I do not know, but I at this point, I don't think it matters. I think Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky, they're basically the same quarterback at this point. I, I've okay. seen enough of Kenny Pickett and enough of Mitch Trubisky to basically tell you they are the same quarterback. That's fair. They're, they're both two... The two guys, limited arms, pretty mobile, but they get injured a lot, and you can't really trust them to be effective as a quarterback. Okay, well, that wraps up a uh, segment of I Told You So's. Before we close this out, Jess, 
Who do you have for the team to watch out for? So my team to watch out for is going to be the Green Bay Packers. I think you see mm. they've drafted a bunch of young receivers. They've hit on some of the young receivers. Jordan Love seems like he's starting to figure it out. That could be a team that shocks one of those teams, maybe like a, a Philadelphia in the playoffs if they get that opportunity. They, they seem like they're primed to be in a high-scoring playoff game and shock a team. I haven't heard that take at all. From none of the pundits or the talking heads, that's an interesting take. That's a good one. I'm going to go with the, Indi the Indianapolis Colts. I think that they're a threat to spoil somebody, as you, to use your your term, your phrase, whatever, down the stretch of the season, um, and to make a playoff run. I believe – can you bring up the in the hunt, Jess? Uh, yeah, I can tell you – who do you want? What, AFC, NFC? Well, give me who's in the wild card, and then give me who's in the hunt. Okay, so in the AFC, the wild card teams right now are Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Indianapolis. The next three teams in the hunt are the Texans, Broncos, Bengals, and then right after that, you have the Bills. Those are the teams that are probably the most likely in the AFC to be wildcard teams. It's going to be interesting. I think that the, the Colts could beat the Steelers. They can beat the Browns. And both those teams will have quarterbacks. And Gardner Minshew is a very good serviceable backup quarterback. He's the best to backup that, quarterback in the league. To, to that point, if the playoffs were to begin today, they would be playing a playoff game in Baltimore, a team who they beat earlier, than the, earlier in the season. With Gardner Minshew. With, with Gardner Minshew, who came in in relief of uh, their quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Oh, this is going to get interesting. That's my team to watch out for, folks. What's next, Jess? So, next we have best AFC, best NFC. I will start with best AFC. I still have the Chiefs. I know people are going to maybe be upset by that, but when the two teams ahead of you are the Ravens and the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins who haven't beat a team over 500 in, what, like 400 days or something like that? And... The Ravens, who have had some really bad meltdown losses, I'm going to go with the team that I've seen do it before. And when you look at the rest of the AFC and just some of the backup quarterback play and some of the unevenness, despite the Chiefs having just big, major flaws, I still think they're the best team in the AFC. And when it comes down to actually figuring out some of the problems, I think they'll be able to overcome them more than maybe some of the other teams in the AFC. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well for everything you said. Best in NFC, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I think this is pretty obvious now. The, mm -hmm. Yes, the Eagles right now are the one seed, but the 49ers right now are better than the Eagles. And I think the Eagles, despite the fact they have 10 wins and that they're 10-2, they've looked shaky all year. And they're at a point where the Cowboys only a game back. This is really the time where over the next few weeks, we're going to find out if they're going to be the one seed or not. Or even I a two seed. Say that one more time. So... The Eagles right now are in a tough position. They're in a tough position right now because they are only a game ahead of Dallas. They still have to play Dallas again. There's a realistic chance that the Eagles don't get the one or two seed, and they're they're playing a team like Green Bay, maybe a, a, a team like Green Bay or Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs. Okay. Well, I think that the best team in the in the NFC is the Detroit Lions. I think that going down the stretch, they're going to win all their games. The 49ers will not. They have the Seahawks, who they're going to lose to coming up this week. They have the Cardinals, who is going to be a very tough out because Kyler Murray's playing really red hot. The Ravens, it's going to be tough just because they're the Ravens. I don't trust Lamar Jackson, but I, he, he's a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. Um, the Commanders, you don't know what you're going to get with, with that type of offense, with Eric Bieniemy and them. If not, they're just going to blow them out. And then the Rams, who, are, who is their last game on January 7th, the Rams are going to destroy the 49ers. I just feel it. Um, and the thing about... The, the patterns in the NFL, which I've 
harped on all year. Just this year alone, when they lost, when the 49ers lost, they lost their game straight. They could not bounce back. Well, they lose these games. They're going to create a pattern again because they don't know how to bounce back. At least for the Detroit Lions, they know how to lose a game and they know how to bounce back week after week. And it's not a consistent, it's not on consistent, uh, consistent basis that they lose games. They're, the best team in the NFL, who are people who people are saying as the San Francisco 49ers, have lost consistently and they could not bounce back. And to your point that, that you were talking about earlier before we got on this podcast, if they're peaking now, they're going to go into a slump eventually. So that's why I'm going to say that the, the, the best team in the NFC, to me, is still the Detroit Lions. What's the worst team in the AFC, Jess? Yeah, so next we're going to worst AFC, worst NFC. I will start worst AFC Patriots. I mean, they are unwatchable. They don't have a real NFL offense. They're terrible. Garbage. Same here. They're my worst team in the, in the AFC. They are dog water. Worst NFC, I have the Panthers. That team just is a mess. They fired their coach. Their quarterback is somebody who they clearly are trying to figure out if they still believe in him uh, with Bryce Young, who was the number one pick this year. They, they're having a lot of issues. They're my worst team in the NFC. I think he's a good quarterback, and I'm not going to give it – I'm not going to harp on him like you do every week. I'm going to go with the New York Giants. And now it's time for week 14 pro- uh, predictions. First – we have Thursday night football between the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I, I mean, you're going to have a defensive game, right? You can't Pitt- see this being a high-scoring game, right? Pitt- Pittsburgh is a six-point favorite in this game. I'm going with Pittsburgh. Everything tells me that it should be Pittsburgh, but it's Mitch Trubisky probably going to be playing in this game. So I will go with New England as an upset win. They'll accidentally score a safety and win this game 2-0. Stop it. Next is the Texans and Jets. I see the Texans blowing this team out. Um, I don't care who they have as quarterback for the Jets. Even if they call Joe Namath, it ain't happening. That's the Texans. Yeah, no, I just, uh, unless the Jets are magically able to figure out the quarterback position in one week, it's going to be the Texans winning this game. Next, we have the Rams versus the Ravens. I say the Rams by uh, 14 points. I think their offense has been way more consistent. Their running game, they finally found the running game after three years. This is going to be a good game, but I look for the Rams offense to stay potent and Cooper Cup to have a to have his probably first uh, massive game of the season since his return back. Puka Nakua is going to come uh, and put good numbers up. Um, this is going to be a very good game, and I'm going to go with the Rams by 14. I will go Rams by 14, but I think it is an upset win. I'll go Rams 23 to 20. Okay, okay. That's fair. Um, next is the Panthers and Saints, a divisional game. You don't know how this is gonna how this is gonna go. It's gonna be tough, probably. They played well against their other division rival in the Buccaneers, um, losing 21-18. They lost by three points. So, and they had a chance to actually score late in the game. It's just he couldn't get he couldn't get out the pocket fast enough to throw the ball down the field. Um, Bryce Young, that is. So, and you don't know if Derek Carr's gonna come back if he's if he's healthy enough to, to start in his game. But if he is, I'm gonna go the Saints. If he doesn't. I don't trust Jameis Winston to get the job done, as I mentioned earlier, so I'm going to go with the Panthers. I will go with the Panthers straight up in this game. I think this will be an upset win for the Panthers. Next is the Colts versus the Bengals. I don't see a backup quarterback being a backup quarterback. I see a starting quarterback and Gardner Minshew taking down the Cincinnati Bengals. This is going to be a very telling story because it's going to be nothing but offense. The defense for the Indianapolis Colts is going to have to stand up and stand up strong because they have a lot of... um, Fiery weapons on the on the Bengals team, and T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. They it's a stacked team, but you just hope that the backup quarterbacks 
his best game of the season is done. So I'm going to go with the Colts by seven. I will go with the Bengals in this game. I think it's going to come down to the Colts' defense not being able to stop Jamar Chase. That, that's what? why I'm going to go. What's the spread, Jess? The Colts are favored by one point. So it's a that this is a game that people are having difficulties with uh, in Vegas, at least. Oh, man. Um, Buccaneers at Falcons. Uh, I don't know. Uh, supposedly, Desmond Ritter doesn't lose at home. This is going to be another game that he, he starts at home. Um, whether or not he lasts at home, I don't know. But I don't like Desmond Ritter. I don't like Arthur Smith. They have too many weapons in Atlanta for this not to be a high-scoring blowout against the Buccaneers because I don't... Chris Godwin's been the biggest disappointment of the year. He's a Saquon Barkley of the 2023 season. Um, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers because the way Mike Evans played this week and Baker Mayfield was able to stay in the game and put his team ahead, I'm going to go with the Bucs over the Falcons. I don't think either of these teams are that good. I'll go... I think the Buccaneers' problem comes down to the fact they don't really run the ball completely well. That's a fact. I will go with the Buccaneers, but this is this is a game I would stay away from. I'll go with the Buccaneers, though, 13-10. Okay. Next is the Jags versus the Browns. It's a toss-up, but the Cleveland Browns are at home. I'm going to give this win to the Browns. Yeah, these are two teams with the, probably going to be starting back in quarterbacks. Well, Cleveland's definitely starting back in quarterback. Jacksonville most likely will. I will go with the Browns in this game since they are at home. I, I've i seen enough of C.J. Beathard to know he's either going to be surprisingly competent or just downright awful. If Trevor Lawrence starts this game, then we'll go in the Jaguars, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if Lawrence plays, I think the Jaguars win. But at this point, I'm not expecting him to play. Okay. Okay. Next, we have the Detroit Lions versus the Chicago Bears. Um, remember, a few weeks ago, Detroit was down by 14 with four minutes left. And Matthew Stafford came back. I mean, not Matthew Stafford. Um, Jared, Jared Goff came back and, and scored the game-winning touchdown. This is going to be a close game, I think, just because it's a divisional game. I'm gonna go with the bear uh, with the uh, with the Lions though. Yeah, I'll, go, I'll uh, you know what? I'll go with the Bears as an upset. I think I think Fields gives them problems, and I think he'll be able to be enough of a problem for that Lions defense that they'll squeak out a close game. Okay. Next, we have the Seattle Seahawks versus the 49ers. I'm going Pete Carroll and the and the um, San Francisco against the um, Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks over the San Francisco 49ers. Um, at least by 10 points, seven to 10 points. Um, that's what I'm guessing. Who's, who's the favorite in this game, Jess? San Francisco is a 10 and a half point favorite. What? Mm -hmm. The disrespect. I will be going, I'll be going with 49ers in this game. Okay. Um, next is the Vikings and the Raiders in the NFC. Jess, can you tell me who's in the hunt or who's, the who's actually in the, in the wild card and who's in the hunt? So do you want the wild card teams? Or do you want wild card teams and in the hunt? Both. Okay, so the wildcard teams as of right now are Dallas, Minnesota, and Green Bay. The next out are the Rams, Seahawks, Buccaneers, and Saints. If the Vikings lose this game against the Raiders, that's the the Vikings are out, I would assume, and this and the Rams are in. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Huh? I, I was I was saying yes. I'm gonna go. Um, this is tough. I'm gonna go with the Vikings. Yeah, I'll go. I, I would also go with the Vikings in a close game. I just don't, with the way Brian Flores blitzes, I don't trust the rookie quarterback to deal with that. Okay. Um, next is the Broncos versus Chargers. I'm going Broncos. I think that the Broncos have shown they can play well and stay in close games because of their defense. Um, hell, they, they sacked fucking CJ Stroud five times last week. So this is going to be a good game. I expect Justin Herbert to get sacked at least six because his offensive line sucks. So let's go Broncos by 
10. And Brandon Salix still keeps his job. No, I will I will go with a close Chargers win here. After how bad Justin Herbert and that offense was last year or last week against the Patriots, I think this is a game where you have to bounce back. If you're if you're Kellen Moore, if you're Justin Herbert, if you're that offensive line with how poor they ran the ball, you have to come in with an attitude in this game. And I think they will. But they don't have an offensive line, Jess. Yeah, no, I, I mean, they they got to – I think they'll be able to figure some stuff out. They got to play with a little bit of an attitude. Do you trust Brandon Staley to get that, that team in, in shape? I don't. Not really, but I also don't really trust – I don't really trust the Broncos either. Excuse me. Well, the way Russell Wilson has been playing, even if he had three three picks last week, he's been the best quarterback in the red zone in the entire NFL. So, well, you know well, what? I give I give that to, to the Broncos by 10. Yeah, I'll go with the Chargers. I'll begrudgingly go with the Chargers because I just think – they are a little bit better than the Broncos. Okay. Next, we have the Bills versus Chiefs. A must win for the Kansas City Chiefs. If they do not, I think this puts the Bills back in the wild card. So it's going to get really interesting. And that's Sunday night, uh, Sunday afternoon, 325 Central, Stand- Central Standard Time. Um, I don't know what the spread is on this, but I'm definitely taking the Chiefs over the Bills. It's KC two but, and a half. KC minus what is two it? and a half. It's KC minus two and a half. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, but I won't be surprised I, if the Bills win because the Chiefs can't I, score shit. I will go with the Chiefs in this game. I feel like this is going to be one of those games where we see a bunch of turnovers, and I think it'll probably be one of those games where it's, it gets pretty frantic at the end. I'll go with the Chiefs in a close win. Okay. Um, next, we have the Eagles versus the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. I'm going Cowboys because they've won 13 straight um, home games. So I'm going to go with uh, the Eagles at the Cowboys, and I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I will also be going with the Cowboys. I think this is a game, if you're a Dallas and you really want to prove to people, well, if you really want to prove to people that you're a real contender, their first one was against the 49ers, and they got blown out. This is your second chance. You beat the Eagles, a team that seems like they're kind of reeling right now. This would also tie them, I believe, for the division lead and would bring it down to tiebreakers as we get down towards the end of the season. So this is a big game for Dallas. Well, on top of that, um, the the Cowboys have – this is the second part of their gauntlet since last week of their schedule. They got three more games, I think, after this uh, for their gauntlet with the teams over 500. If they beat this team, they'll put back-to-back wins over teams of over 500. They have to win this game. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys, like I said. Uh, but that's the reason they, they – to show they're strong enough, they have to beat this team. Next is the Packers versus Giants. Tyrod Taylor has been um, put back on the practice squad by the New York Giants – um, if he does come back during this game, I give the nod to the Giants um, and, and uh, um, not CJ Stroud, I'm sorry, Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if I said that correctly. Um, has been put back on the practice squad for the Giants. No, he's, been, he's been elevated back to the active roster, not the practice squad. No, he he's been put back on the practice squad. No, he's on the active roster right now. Okay. Well, I'm putting, I'm taking uh, the Giants if Tyrod Taylor starts. I will go with the Packers in this game. I think they're just playing better than, I, I think they're playing better and they have more talent than what the, or what the Giants have. Well, that's what the Bills thought, and they almost lost to that to them too. Um, then we have for this that that was the first Monday Night Football game between the Packers and the Giants. The next one is the Titans versus Dolphins. Just depending on what kind of Will Levis you're going to get and the type of defense that Mike Rabel's going to going to cook up. I mean, are the Dolphins really ready to go against a team that has a good defense? I don't know, uh, but I'm going to go with the Dolphins just because of their offense. Yeah, I think the Dolphins will win this game. I don't. The Dolphins have done a good job beating the teams that are pretty average to below average. My issue with the Dolphins is that when they play good teams, I don't 
know what to expect from them. It's usually a lot of uneven play from them. But in a game like this, I expect the Dolphins to win this game. Well, that wraps up our predictions for week 14. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I still believe that there is no team above and beyond any other team in this in this league. For the first time in many, many years, there is no conclusive team to me that is telling me I am way better than you are. I'm way better than they are. There's not a team in this league that has done that yet. Um, I can't wait to see what week 14 has in store. Jess, any more thoughts before we go? I think we're starting to see some of the teams break apart from others. We're starting to see a young team like Green Bay possibly emerge and maybe turn into a threat as the season gets towards the end. So I think we're seeing a lot of exciting things go on right now. Thank you for joining us, folks. Can't wait to see you next week. Jess, thanks for joining me. Thanks for the podcast. A great show. Can't wait to see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. You don't stop happening in the world today. You don't. You don't. You don't. We need to make a change one day. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Referendum Podcast brought to you by Finn Flam Sports. We would like to invite you to like us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you can find somebody, we are there. TikTok, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever you can do to give us your support. We truly appreciate it. We hope to see you next time.